Good afternoon, everyone. My name's Louise. I'll be leading us in our Bible reading. Uh, tonight it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. It's Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13. Whenever you pray, you must be not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. Your, king your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's great to be here uh, speaking to you guys today on Father's Day. And as Katie's already mentioned and Chris has already prayed, I, I'm aware that this can be a, a complicated day for many people. You know, it can be uh, difficult and we all have different relationships with our fathers. You know, they're not all the same. You know, some maybe are good, some maybe it's complicated. Uh, for me, this is... Uh, on the screen, that's my dad, Bob. There he is, and a very blonde young me there. Uh, that's right, my dad's name is Bob, and so for all my cousins, Bob is literally their uncle. So that's nice. Uh, and I don't know if you can see it in there, but my dad uh, looked a lot like Chevy Chase when I was growing up, so much so that the photo for my dad in my phone is actually just the actor Chevy Chase. So, you know, that's quite funny. Uh, but for me, I actually uh, have a pretty good relationship with, with my dad. You know, typical son, don't tell him enough that I love him, that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, we're, we've got a good relationship. And saying that, though, I'm under no illusions that my dad is perfect or anything like that. Uh, I can remember when I was growing up that my dad, he's a bit of a jokester and he he would play kind of tricks on me. I remember one time he um, tried to convince me that the oil that the AFL players were putting on their body was to stop them from getting sunburnt. The oil, not sunscreen, oil on their bodies to stop them from getting sunburnt. And he told me this when we are at a nighttime game under artificial lights. <laughs> and you laugh because that's just ridiculous. Who would possibly believe that? Seven-year-old Trav, that's who would believe something like that. I believed it for a while, actually. Uh, but, you know, I came to realize that that was just really dumb. Um, and so I knew that my dad couldn't always be trusted. You know, he wouldn't always tell me the true things. And also my dad's kind of, he's been the complete opposite to me when it comes to tech things. I love tech and uh, a bit natural with tech things. My dad is just so, such a technophobe and he always trusted in his tech support team of one, which was me. And, and he would do things on his computer 
I swear, Bill Gates on his best day would have no idea how he managed to do what he did. You know those alert windows that come up on your computer and say, are you sure? He would be clicking those things like nothing else. Yes, I'm sure. And I just have no idea what he's doing. It's mind boggling. And so I grew up knowing that my dad didn't always know what he was doing either. He didn't always have all the answers. And you know, maybe you've got your own stories about your dad. Maybe there's funny ones, maybe weird ones, maybe even painful ones. And whatever your experience with your dad, I can imagine that for many of us, when we look at this text today calling God our Father, it can be really tricky to navigate if we expect God to be like our dads. You know, my dad couldn't always be trusted. And is that what God is like as a father? My dad didn't always know what he was doing. Is that what God's like as a father? And maybe your dad was a jokester. Maybe he was harsh. Maybe he wasn't always available. Maybe he was emotionally distant. Or maybe, like most of our dads, he was just human and not perfect. And so how should we think about God as a father if that's our experience of fathers, of dads? And so what I want to do today is look at what the Bible has to say about our Father in heaven from this part of the Bible, this prayer, this Lord's Prayer that maybe we've all heard many times before, maybe whether in church or just even outside of church, you would hear this kind of a prayer. We're going to take a look at it and look at how it's even possible that we can call God our Father. And what kind of a father is he if he's not like our dad's? then what is he like? And what does that mean for us? What does it look like for us to live as his children if he's our father? Let's pray and ask that God will help us as we jump into the text today. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible and we thank you that in it there are words of life and truth. And we pray that as we look at it today, would you help us to understand it? Would you help help us to live it out in our lives? And Father, would it help us to know you better and to love you more? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we're looking at the passage today, I wonder if it stood out to you just how many times Jesus, who's the one talking here in our passage, how many times he said, our Father and your Father, just over and over again like that. Because he's not talking about our dads here. He's not talking about Bob. You know, he's not saying that when I go into a private room and close the door, Bob's there. That'd be kind of weird. And Bob's my dad, but he's not our father, right? So Jesus here is talking about his father. Jesus, as God's only son, is talking about his father, God. And that's really clear here in verse 9. He refers to our father in heaven. Your name be honoured as holy. And he's inviting us to call his Father in heaven our Father in heaven, which is kind of a big deal, this idea of calling God Father. And it's because, as Jesus says, God is holy. He says, your name be honoured as holy. Now, holy is a weird word that we don't tend to use very much in context outside of religious context. You know, you might uh, see it in TV and movies when they refer to holy objects, things like holy water and holy ground and holy grails and holy hand grenades and things like that. 
that the, there's a sense that these holy things are magical maybe. You know, there's some kind of magical quality to them. But Jesus here isn't saying to pray that God's name be honoured as magical. That's not what holy actually means. Jesus here says to pray that God's name would be recognised as holy, which really just means unique and one of a kind and special from everything else. Jesus wants us to pray that his name would be honoured as holy because God's the one who made everything. He is different to us. We didn't make it. He is the one who is holy. There is no one like him. God is all-powerful and in control of all things. We, we aren't like that. He is holy. There is no one like him. So Jesus says that we need to recognise that God is holy. And it, it's kind of weird because if God is holy, then why would Jesus teach us to pray that God's name be honoured as holy? Why would we need to honour his name as holy? Are we adding to his holiness? Are we giving him holiness? What What is Jesus talking about here? Well, when I was a kid and growing up, uh, something that was really, really popular uh, for me and all of my friends was an amazing TV show called The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was just, it was huge. It was massive. The stores would have all of the turtles' toys in there. My friends and I would watch the shows. There was a live action movie and another sequel that came out. We'd all grab sticks and pretend that we're hitting each other and fighting. It was massive. My friends had turtles' birthday parties. I'm pretty sure I had at least one turtles' party. It, it was huge. It was massive. And then there was just a terrible third sequel movie that was made. There was some pretty average TV shows that got made after that, some pretty average Michael Bay-produced movies that happened after that. And the former glory of the Turtles had dimmed for so long. Now, this weekend... And this week, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie coming out. Oh, it's so exciting. And I haven't yet seen it, so don't tell me anything if you have. But I just pray <laughs> that the holiness and uniqueness and specialness of these Ninja Turtles would be re-established once again. You know, that people would see just how awesome the Turtles are, like I saw when I was a kid, and that joy and that experience that I had, you know, something that was unique and holy and good, it, it's been defiled. We all know that. The prayer is that it would be reestablished again. And certainly in a much better and much more meaningful way, Jesus teaches us to pray that God's holy name would be reestablished and honoured as holy that as he says in, in verse 10, his kingdom would come, his will would be done because his name is holy. It has always been holy, but the problem is people don't recognise it as holy. We don't always treat God as the holy creator of heaven and earth. We don't treat him how he deserves. We treat him sometimes as other people or even less than ourselves, like we're the holy ones. And this is what the Bible calls sin, when we refuse to acknowledge how holy God is. We refuse to honour God as holy, and instead we think that we're in charge of things, you know, that we know what's best for everyone. And this has been the problem for everyone 
everywhere, just forever. And we read about this change in the first two chapters of the Bible in the book of Genesis. You know, God made people, he made everything and it was good and they acknowledged God as holy. They acknowledged him as creator and ruler of his creation, but then sin ruined everything for everyone, everywhere. And since then, people have refused to acknowledge God as holy, even though he's always been holy. Jesus reminds us in this prayer, God is a holy God who is totally unlike anyone and anything else. He made everything. He made everyone. He rules his kingdom without any equal. He is holy. And Jesus reminds us to honour his name as holy and remember that he is holy. And also invites us to call this holy God Father which is just so wild, so crazy. I mean, you can just imagine trying to walk up to the current Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, and saying, hey, can you make me a sandwich? Can I, can I borrow your car? That'd be really good. It'd be crazy for anyone unless your name is Nathan Albanese and you're his son. That'd be wild. In the same way, it'd be so wild going up to God and trying to talk to him like he's your father unless you're his son. Especially when everyone everywhere forever has had the problem of rejecting God and not honouring his name as holy. How can you approach this holy God? But Jesus invites us to call God my father, to call him your father and our father. And the only way that this is possible is because Jesus, the only Son of God, invites us to be united with him, to hitch our wagon to his. And, you know, people talk about this all the time as giving their life to Christ, being a follower of Jesus, becoming a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, all these terms to just reflect Jesus' invitation for us to be united with him. While our rejection of God means that we're all sinners and our imperfection means we don't belong in a perfect place like heaven and we have no right to demand anything of our holy creator, the Son of God came down from heaven and went to the cross to pay for our dishonouring of God's name. He went to the cross so that we could be forgiven. And then he rose again and ascended to heaven and made a way to heaven for us. And Jesus did that so that through him, God could forgive us our rebellion, forgive us our debts, as Jesus says in verse 12. And his sinlessness can become our sinlessness. His eternal life can become our eternal life. His relationship with the Father as the one and only Son can become our relationship with the Father. By saying that we're with him and following the Son, we too can call our Father, our God, our Father in heaven. We're not children of God because we try harder than anyone else. We're not children of God because we've done all the right rituals. You know, now he owes us because we've done all the things, the initiation. And he's not... We're not children of God just because we go to church either. 
The only way that we can be children of God is because we're with Jesus. And that means that we can now speak to God just as freely and easily and intimately as Jesus can. This holy God through Jesus is now our Father too. So that's how we can call God our Father, but what kind of a Father is he? Well, we can see earlier in the chapter from verse 5, Jesus says, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What kind of Father is he? Well, he's the kind that's always there for us when we need him. When you go into your private room and shut the door, God can still hear you in there. You're still family there. You don't have to jump through hoops and put on a show for others. You don't have to go to a special building. You don't have to go to a special place. Jesus says, yeah, just go home and shut your door. And God sees and hears and you can just talk to him. Because God's a father who's always there for us when we need him. Jesus continues in verse 7. He says, When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. What kind of a father is he? Well, He's the kind that knows what you need and he's the kind of good father that provides for those needs as well. And Jesus helps remind us what those deepest needs are as he includes them in the prayer. From verse 11, he says, Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus teaches us to come to God and acknowledge that our daily bread, our physical needs, come from our Father. He knows what we need, and God is the one who provides it. Our forgiveness comes from our Father. The power to avoid temptation comes from our Father. Now, some people think that our daily bread comes from us that we're responsible for providing for all of our physical needs. But Jesus reminds us that God is the one who is holy. It's his creation. He made it. He's responsible for our planet turning another day. He's responsible for the rain falling down with semi-regularity. He's the one who's responsible for our crops producing food. He's the one who provides our daily bread. Some people think that forgiveness comes from us. You know, you might have heard this when you speak to people and they say, yeah, I reckon I'm going to heaven. I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, I think that'll be fine. God will forgive me. That's all good. I mean, that's great that you think you can forgive yourself for what you've done. But rejecting God means he's the one who needs to forgive. Forgiveness comes from him. And God is the one who loves us like a good father and provides that forgiveness too through Jesus. 
And some people think that even though it's never worked for anyone ever for all of history, you know, maybe I could just try my hardest to be good and to resist temptation. Jesus says, God knows what you need and he will provide you what you need. He'll provide help to flee from temptation. God's the kind of good father who knows the things you need even before you ask him. He knows. And he lovingly provides the things that you need like sustenance and forgiveness and help because he's a good father. In the very next chapter after this, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Who among you, if he asks, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What kind of a father is he? He's a good father who gives us good gifts. He knows what we need and he provides for our needs. And I think this is so easy for us to get wrong. For all of us, I think, because, you know, because of our sin, it's, it's so easy for us to fool ourselves and to think that God's like a pokey machine kind of a father or a bully of a father. Maybe you've done this before. You've thought of God as a pokey machine of a father. You know, you come to him with what you want with what you think are your needs. And you're like, God, this is what I want. Make it happen. Pull the lever. See what comes up. See if he gives you what you want. Not this time. I'll ask him again. God, I really want this. Pull the lever. God, this is what I want. This is what I need. It's about our kingdom come. It's about our will be done. That's what kind of father we expect him to be. But Jesus says, He's a good father. Good fathers don't just give their kids what they want. They give them what they need and what's good for them. Now, I've got three young girls, and I completely understand that you don't just give them whatever they want whenever they want it because it's not good for them. You know, ice cream isn't an everyday for breakfast at 7 a.m. kind of food. It's a sometimes food. You know, maybe if you want a puppy, maybe show me that you can look after the goldfish first. Puppies are great, but maybe not yet. And yeah, sure, you can drive the car at some point, but not when you're five. You know, we can understand this, that it's not good to give kids just what they want when they want it. How much more a holy God who knows so much better than we do because he's so holy and unlike anyone else. Maybe you've done this before where you've treated God like a bully of a father. You know, maybe you know that he knows what you need, but he's just holding it out of reach from you. You know, you think that he won't give it to you. He's holding it out of reach. Like you have to do something for him first. You know, maybe you have to pray a certain way to him. Maybe you have to do a certain amount of good deeds and good things before he's going to give you the things that you really need. 
Jesus says that God is a good father and he'll listen to you when you're in a private room and he'll listen to you even when you don't deserve it, especially when you don't deserve it because none of us deserve it and we all need to ask God to forgive our debts. And he knows what you need and he provides for every single one of those needs for our daily bread and our forgiveness and for help to avoid temptation. Jesus says in verse 8 to 9, Your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, our heavenly Father, he is a good Father. When you pray, pray to your good Father because that's what he's like, not like a bully or a pokey. He knows what we need and he's our perfectly loving Father who gives it to us even when we don't deserve it. God knows that you need your daily bread. And so Jesus says, ask him. Ask him for it. He's a loving father and he'll provide. God knows that we need forgiveness. And so Jesus tells us to ask him because he's a good, loving father and he will provide. And God knows that we need help from temptation. And so Jesus says, ask him. He's a loving Father, and he will provide. He's our Father in heaven, and he gives his children what they need, not just whatever they want. He's holy, and we're not. He's God, and we're not. He's the dad, and we're the kids. So how do we live as God's kids, as his daughters and sons? What does that look like for us to be children of God? You know, what do I have to do what does that what does that mean for me well later in Jesus ministry he had an expert in the law ask him you know of all the things that I should be doing following God just just narrow it down to one for me just give me the highlights and he says you know which is the greatest commandment in the law you can read about this in chapter 22 of uh, Matthew's gospel he says if I did just one thing what would that one thing be and Jesus answers him, with two things, cheeky, classic Jesus, gives him a two-parter. And he says in verse 37 here, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. All the Old Testament law and prophets, all the things that God has taught his people are throughout all of history, hang on these two commandments, love God and love others. And Jesus says, this is the thing that you need to do the most. You know, just love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And we've already said that's just impossible for everyone ever. We, we don't honour God's name as holy and fail to do this time and time again. And so the structure of Jesus' prayer here is to actually ask God to help us to do those two things. What do we do as children of God? We come to our Father and we ask him for help. Verse 9 to 10. Jesus' instruction here is to ask God to help us to love him. 
Help us to honour his name as holy as it truly is. Help us to desire his kingdom and his will. God knows the things that you need even before you ask him. So what, what do we need more than anything? We need help. And we need to ask God to help us. We need to ask him to do what we fail to do on our own, to love him with all our heart and mind and soul. And then in verse 11 to 13, Jesus' instruction here, he says to pray to God, to ask him to help us to love others. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think, you know, time and time again, I'm guilty of this, and I don't know if you are too, but we often read into this section, my, you know, give me my daily bread, forgive me my sins. Jesus was fully aware that the word my exists, and he doesn't use it. He chooses to use the words our and us and we. Jesus gives us this prayer to help us ask God to help us to love others, to be concerned for one another's daily bread, for one another's forgiveness and compassion to those who are lost, for one another's struggles with sin. Not that we do it, God is the one who provides, but that we would ask that God would help us and help others, help one another. And in this way, we're also being an answer to the prayers that in verse 10, God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. How will his kingdom come? How will his will be done? Well, our heavenly father chooses to work through his children here on earth. What an incredible privilege that we have that we can call this God, this holy God, our father through Jesus. And the kind of father he is, is a good and loving father treats us so much better than we deserve. And he knows what we need and he provides it for us. And he helps us to do the very thing that we ought to be doing, which is to love him with all our heart and mind and soul and to love others. Well, how about I lead us in praying this Lord's Prayer together as we finish up. Now, there's so many different translations and versions of the Lord's Prayer as I've been going through it. Maybe you're like, that's not how I remember it. Uh, that's okay. There's lots of different uh, versions of this. And so we don't have to pray this uh, out loud together and recite it. So I'm going to pray it here from this uh, CSB version. And you can just pray it in your head along with me. And if you agree with this prayer, you can say an amen at the end. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation 
but deliver us from the evil one. And we pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.